Hey, DJ Flook here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. There's a lot of people in the sports world nowadays athletes, media personalities, bloggers, podcasters, video producers, influencers all with amazing stories to share about how they got to where they are today and where they're going tomorrow. I'm DJ Fluke, and along with my partners, Kate Thompson. I'm sorry, I didn't go to a college that has football teams, so sometimes I space out. And Jillian Fisher. Hey! Oh my gosh, I alerted my pug, and he's like, oh no, don't bark, please don't bark. We're here to share those stories in something we like to call StadiumScene.tv's main event. Hey, before we get started, this episode was also recorded as a video, which is available on YouTube via the description of this podcast episode. Otherwise, enjoy the show. So, Kate, a little fun fact. Um, when I was younger and I was in school, I hated reading. I absolutely hated it. And Me I think, too. And I think it was... I think it was more because like you were being forced to read and the, the content of what you were being told to read at school was not interesting in my opinion. Um, and I had a teacher in high school that was so evil that she, when she would put the quizzes together on the books, you know, in her English class, she put the, the, uh, the quizzes together. She would purposely go through the cliff notes and make sure that the content on our quizzes was not in the cliff notes. Like, that's just straight up evil. Come on. Like, that is evil. What are you trying to prove here? Yeah, I'm calling you out. And I don't even remember what your name is anymore. But I'm calling you out, high school English teacher who will go nameless because I can't remember your name. I used to lose my recess in elementary school all the time because of my reading comprehension. Like, I didn't care what color ball they were playing with. I cared that they were playing with a ball in what was the next point of the book. And we were doing some stupid program called like Accelerated Reader or AR or something like that. And it would always ask you like, what's the color of the ball? And then I would fail the point, the quizzes and not get the points. So it looked like I didn't read. And then I didn't want to read. There was actually only one book in high school that I actually read cover to cover and, and actually enjoyed. And that was actually To Kill a Mockingbird, um, which based which on- Which is not about killing no, mockingbirds? No, no, it is most definitely not about killing mockingbirds. Um, but I, I don't know why as a high school student who couldn't sit down and read anything without losing interest 30 seconds in, that book just hooked me. Like you know, we read like Lord of the Flies and Shakespeare, which bored the hell out of me. Um, 
but yeah, for whatever reason, you know, I mean, obviously it is a great piece of, of American literature. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but I mean, there was other books we were reading that were supposedly great pieces of American literature and I just couldn't take it at all. So anyway, um, now that I've done a great, great service for books, let's talk, let's talk about our book. Hey, Lucky Bastard. We're reading Lucky Bastard by Joe Buck and, um. I think Joe Buck gets a lot of crap, like way too much crap. And I mean, he definitely addresses that in this book pretty, yeah. pretty heavily. I have to ask, DJ, as a fellow hair plug enthusiast, how, what were your thoughts about how many times it got brought up in this book? A, well, A, I do not have hair plugs. B, I was You're already, right, you're right. I do not have hair plugs. Yes, I'm losing a little on top here, but you know what, whatever. A, I was, I, I don't have hair plugs, and B, now I'm super terrified of getting hair plugs from reading this book. So, uh, you know what? I would at this point, I, I think, thank you, Joe Buck, because I've decided that as soon as it gets too much, I'm gonna just do the Jeff Bezos look and just go gone. And my wife, she uh, every time I threaten her that I'm gonna go look, go to the uh, the barber and look like Jeff Bezos when I'm done, she doesn't like that. How about Restore? You know those billboards that are all over the Chicago area? Oh, yeah, like Brian Erlacher did? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, fun fact, Brian Erlacher lives like 10 minutes from me. I should get him for the show. Ooh, I'm so special. Oh, I should get him for the show. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, I don't care oh. that I live 10 minutes from him. I, oh. We can ask him. It's like, you spent your entire career bald. Why all of a sudden do you, uh, you want know, to get yourself a crew cut to look like you're in the army now? Like, it would be a good follow-up to this book. So for those of you listening, he mentions hair plugs or his hair at least once a page. Almost. Not maybe not quite that much, but um, this, this book, like once I mean, a chapter? Yeah, pretty much. And, and he has a whole chapter really about it. But I mean, we we this is now like common knowledge because this book's been out for like five years or so, but Nobody really knew. Well, I mean, I guess we could have suspected it, but no, he, this was not known information officially until this book came out. And um, the, the other wild part is one of the more recent times he had it, he woke up from his surgery and he could not speak. And as an announcer, kind of a problem. Yeah. So brief summary of this book. It's about Joe Buck's life from being a child all the way till today, or five years five, ago today. Five, five years ago today, yes. And um, one thing I really appreciate at, as a reader is the last page of this book is the last page of the book. It's, there's not like an appendix, an index. You're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. But yes, it's like, it's over. Yeah, no, thank you for reading my book. Um, no, and the last line, he admits he colors his hair. Way to ruin the end, Kate. Then again, I you've, know. Had, you, you've had five years to read it. It's like, oh no, I blew a movie for you. But it's been out for five years. Yeah, I, I don't feel bad. 
I, I think what I really liked about this book, one, it was incredibly entertaining. Like, I, I, I don't think I've ever laughed out loud to a book this much before. Oh my God, me too. And, and the opening story, which I'm not going to get into it, you need to read it for yourself, involves something that you really never think about as somebody who's on live TV for, you know, four hours at a time is that when you only have 30 second breaks and you have a halftime of a football game, like halftime is your only chance to pee. And if you don't time things right, you don't have many chances to sneak away and pee. So how do these guys do it? And he talks about a time when he had a problem and he really had to go and halftime was still ways away. So I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. It's very uh, funny though. I have to say one thing notable about this book for me, the footnotes, <laughs> the footnotes make this book. Um, I actually marked one so we could talk about it. <laughs> My name is Joe Francis Buck. So technically it's Joe F. Buck, not F. Joe Buck. Which I can tell you right now that that is in the, uh, the chapter called Buck Rhymes with Suck. Nope. Oh, it's wait, it's not. It's in This Thing is Huge. But, but yes, he has a whole chapter dedicated to about like people making fun of him and being critical of him. And, and he kind of, he goes, I kind of get it. I, I do. I, I do understand why people get on me for, for things. And you know, some of the things that he's been criticized over the years for some of his, his calls, he kind of comes in and, and defends himself and, and, you know, announcing live on TV is a, a risky game because you know, you botch a call and, you know, you're going to be on that forever. Uh, you know, those low light films of a announcer botching a call, or if you, you know, undersell the call of an amazing play, which, uh, you know, there was a Super Bowl with uh, David Tyree against the Patriots playing for the Giants and Eli Manning almost gets sacked. He throws the ball, David Tyree catches the ball and pins it between his hand and his helmet and get, lands on the ground. And, and it wasn't really like, you know, it's one of the more incredible plays you're ever going to see. And it's in a Super Bowl with, you know, 100 million people watching. And um, and he just kind of treats, I, I remember the play, he's like, it's caught. And I think be, when I watched it live, I didn't think anything of the, the call because I was really in shock with what I saw. And he admits like he wasn't sure what he saw, if, if he had caught it or not. And, you know, he kind of botched it but you know it is what it is yeah so i wanted to share um a small little paragraph of this book that really resonated especially with um the fact we talked to all these different podcasts hosts and bloggers um so broadcasting has been great to me so i hope this does not sound like a complaint it is an observation but I think people want more from their broadcasters, more flair, more humor, more personality. And yet, as soon as somebody says something that's opinionated or not politically correct, they get crushed. And that keeps them from saying anything interesting. He's got a point. Yeah. That, par that small little paragraph that's more like a sentence now that, two sentences now that I'm looking at it, um, really resonated. Because it's true. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's an art form, really. I mean, it's, it's like, how can you be edgy enough that you're interesting, but you're not ed- over the top that it's like, okay, like you've just destroyed your career because you just said just the horrible worst thing, stupidest thing ever. And yeah, it is absolutely right. Yeah. Like I pretend to be a jerk when it comes to you, DJ, for this podcast. Pretend. Pretend. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I, uh, I'm actually the nicest person in the world. The uh, there's a towards the beginning when you know, uh, you know that this kind of really surprised me. This story that you know the reason the book is called Lucky Bastard is because what? There's two reasons. One is because it's like yeah, because his dad was a famous announcer is what got him his first job. But you know he's kept his career going for 30 years, so it's like. Yeah, first job, fine. But it's like the fact that he's continued to elevate himself and do other things on his own, you know, give him a break, please. But the the second part of it was he was actually, uh, his father had an affair with a Broadway actress and he was the child of that affair. And his father actually left his wife who had, was it three kids, four kids, something like that, and went and married the Broadway actress and then raised Joe and then had a, a, another girl and, and basically started the, you know, his second family. Um, and his father would have to go deliver those alimony checks by hand, the, you know, the child support and alimony checks. And he'd take Joe with him and, and his half siblings and his, you know, his, well, his dad's ex-wife were, were very mean to him. And he, you know, it's like, it wasn't his fault. Like he never really understood. Like, yeah, it's like they're upset at the situation and, and they have every right to be, you know, the father of their family walked out on their mother, had an affair. And, you know, you, this this child is the the symbol of that. And it's like, you know, and, and as a kid, it's like, how you know, it's, it's hard to process these things. Like, why are these people being incredibly mean to me? Because it's like, I didn't have the affair. I, I didn't ask to be born. It, it, it's really like tough. Like, I mean, it, it's just as, as a child, like, how do you process that? And, and it seems like he handled it fairly well. Yeah. But on a, a lighter note, I, I want to read a, a, an excerpt from a, a, story from his youth that almost got him killed, actually. Um, uh, My family was in Cincinnati for a Cardinals road trip. And when we got to the riverfront, I begged my mom to buy me a Cardinals batting helmet. She didn't want to do it. She pointed out that I had roughly 700 of them at home and didn't need another. I argued that I wasn't home and I wanted one. So please, mom, please, please, please. She relented and bought me one. We sat in our seats behind the third base dugout. Early in the game, my mom told me to duck my head if a ball came towards us. Sure enough, the Reds' Pete Rose, adding my commentary, the all-time hit leader, one of the greatest players in baseball history, came up to bat left-handed and slapped a foul ball right at us. I ducked and hit my batting helmet, leaving a mark. The ball ended in a guy's lap behind me. My dad was doing the game on radio. He said, oh, a dangerous foul ball in the seats, and he looked through his binoculars and saw my mom and me. I was terrified. I was fine, though. The cheap batting helmet might have saved me. I kept the helmet for years, but not the ball. The man sitting behind us refused to give it to me. And he has a footnote in here that you get down to the bottom, and the footnote says, what a dick. 
like what I said, the footnotes really make this book. Because <laughs> they're all sarcastic. They're just perfect in my mind. It's anything that he like thought. And he had a, a shout out to Bob Ross in there. Um, you know, it's yeah. just... <laughs> <laughs> the most obscure never thing. forget to ca capitalize fox <laughs> but uh, you know and, and again it's just you know he tells the stories going through um you know his marriage fell apart about 10 years ago uh you know he's remarried since then um i didn't know he climbed a mountain i didn't either well not just a mountain mount kilimanjaro i mean that's you know yeah outside of everest it's the mountain yeah that was insane you can read more about that in the book there's a whole chapter it's part seven well starts climbing up again yeah um so overall <laughs> thoughts i think uh, this book is hilarious. It's very, very funny. And this it, may be one I reread. He he is. I mean, the the, the, the nice like, like the really nice thing about people. Well, not nice thing, but the thing on a, a lot of people on TV is that they come off as so serious that they can't make a joke at themselves, or if somebody makes a joke at their expense, they get offended, and he has no problem making fun of himself this entire book and it just kind of I, I think a lot of people's opinions of of joe buck changed after this book to say okay it's like okay this guy is just he's a talentless hack who uh you know he's only in his position because his father got him his first job and he just takes himself so seriously and he's a dick and um i mean this book is the complete opposite like you, you can tell this guy does not take himself seriously uh you know overly seriously he understands the criticism you know it, it's it is one of those things where it's just like okay like can can a book change my opinion on a person it's like i'd already didn't have a bad opinion of him in the first place but it's just like okay i, I further respect the guy more just just from reading his story and just hearing his his perspective on it yeah so i guess that's my summary what did you think about him his voice being in the monica lewinsky tapes <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yes there's a there's a scene or a scene of a page, page 116 here, uh where you know the monica lewinsky getting recorded and in the back, you hear Joe Buck calling a game in the background. <laughs> and his wife is just like, you're on the Monica Lewinsky tape. And he's like, what? And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, you could hear my voice in the background play his day saying, ground ball to Jeter. <laughs> no, I like the line before that or a couple lines before that. Uh, I had no recollection of meeting Monica. I was ready to tell my <laughs> wife I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> I mean, it, oh, and I'm actually indirectly mentioned in the book. 
Oh my God! No, you are not. I I am. I am. I know exactly which part you're thinking I, about, I, I, and I, no, you're not. I am directly marked mentioned. I am indirectly mentioned on page one eighty two. Unless a, they talk about a kid that looks weird, no, you're not mentioned. Yes, I am. I am mentioned in this book. You were you were at the game. No, it, no, no, it's it's no, no. I was mentioned because I was not at the game. I was quote Outside unquote. People were lined up on Waveland and Sheffield Avenue in Chicago, getting ready for history. I'm of course talking about the 2003 National League Championship Series between the Chicago Cubs and the then Florida Marlins, the Steve Bartman game, as we all know. But yes, I am in this book. Just like I am in the Steve Bartman documentary, which I really am. My photo is in the collage that they show us. You can admit that one. You are yes. not, he is I, not like, well, it's yes, not he, referring he put, to you. He didn't put my name in there, but I'm part of that group on Waveland and Sheffield that night. I was there and I am continue to be forever linked to that historical moment. And I will be forever because my face is now on that documentary that everybody has seen. So there we go. I'm in Joe Buck's book. That was a fun surprise. So I take it that's your favorite part of the book. No, it, it absolutely isn't. I mean, that, that night still sucked, but uh, it's still funny to read that. It's like, hey, he's talking about me. So if you could change something in the book, anything? Not really. I mean, it's his life story being told his way and it's very entertaining. Yeah. Um, it was very insightful. It was actually very deep. Um, it, he, he goes very deep into his relationship with his father, uh, where it was more of like he was his best friend. And when his dad was you know, getting sick towards the end of his life, um, you could tell that 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 really bothered him. And um, he, he goes into, you know, they took his dad off of life support and he had to go to work that night. And he basically told the people in the Cardinals broadcasting booth that his, his dad was going to die that night. And, um, basically, you know, everyone was in tears, everyone was struggling and then the game ends. And then he like, his dad still alive, like his dad kept on fighting and, and he goes back to the hospital after much internal debate and, and has kind of one last conversation with his dad that it's like, look, we're fine. Mom's fine. You know, we're, you don't have to fight anymore. And he goes, his dad passed away like moments later, like before he got to his car after he left. Yeah. And it was just like very telling of like just his relationship with his dad and just how much of a important figure in his life beyond getting him his first job basically. But it's it just you can tell that they had a very very close relationship and and going back to the, the previous comments about his step siblings hating him that's a, probably a big reason why because it seems like his step siblings his father you know he was always away traveling doing broadcasting and it sounds like his step siblings didn't have that relationship with their father and then he leaves and now you have this quote-unquote bastard child as he refers to himself in the book and now he has the, this close relationship so i mean that's it's a very very complicated life that i think he does a great job of of sharing the story and explaining yeah the only question i had 
for the author, like when I was done, is is there anything you regret besides that one time with hair plugs where you lost it? Yeah, that, that, that was pretty obvious. <laughs> hey, I'm trying. I'm trying. I've been trying. I've reached out to him on more than one occasion and I just get stonewalled by his people. So, yeah, it happens. What? So, one out of 10 or one to 10. Oh, I'm giving this a 10. Yeah, I, I just I, I, I don't think I've there's been a book that I've enjoyed reading more. Uh, I got through this thing in like I usually spread a book over a week. I got through this thing in like two and a half nights of reading. Full confession, I forgot to read the book until you texted me Friday night. Um, so I may have read the entire book in one day. <laughs> I'm in the middle of packing. It got put somewhere and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> so I looked at the book. I was like, oh, I can easily read this in a day. So yesterday I spent about four hours reading this. I would explain why you weren't responding to my wife's text yesterday. No, actually she was texting me while I was getting my hair cut. Oh, okay. And my phone was in my back pocket and it was really hard to get my phone mm. while they were cutting my hair. While they're fixing that mullet? I don't have a mullet. I had a braid yesterday. Oh, okay. My hairdresser braided my hair because I was like, yeah, I'm going home to pack everything. Don't just make me look like a model today. What? I'm, I'm friends with my hairdresser, so I can tell her whatever the hell comes out of my mouth, and she just does what she does. I don't even think I told her what I wanted yesterday, now that I'm thinking about it. So, next time you go in, you say, Mohawk, Mohawk. Actually, fun fact, Steve currently has a Mohawk, because I cut his hair, and that is what I gave him. It'd be funnier if you did it, like not- I am not doing Mohawk, end of discussion. Yeah, but imagine the looks you would get, they'd be fantastic. On that note, any final thoughts on this book? No, I like I said, I enjoyed it. I'm very glad that this ended up on our list very early on. We will yeah. talk about our next read. Yeah. Do you have one available to show? I do. Do you? No. I'm going to go buy it off of Amazon, which I'm sure we'll give the link to all of our listeners. Yes, we will. Our next book, actually, um, we've had the author on before. And... Uh, we, but we're going to do a, a formal read and, and, and discussion of the book, um, which is nice, too, because he's actually getting ready to re- release his second book um, next month, uh, a children's book. So Yeah, that uh, will also be on the list because DJ can read it to his children and we could get their, his input from how they re- reacted. Unless you want to have them on the show. I wasn't sure if you're ready for that. Yeah, I don't, one, one, no, two, I don't think I can get them to sit down long enough. I mean, (laughs) they they do good with, with short books, which I don't know how many pages this book is yet, but um, I'm I'm sure they would do fine with it. But our our next book is, it's game time, folks. The Quest for 30 from our good friend, Mark Darden, who's been on the show multiple times. Uh, I've actually read this book already, so I get, I'm going to do a quick reread to remember. I mean, there's already a few things in my mind that stands out from this. Um, premise of it is that in 2017, Mark decided to visit all 30 Major League ballparks in one season, and he documents his journey of how he did it. 
and uh, how he logistically did it, which I still don't understand. And uh, goes over how he kept the budget quite reasonable uh, for traveling all over the country. So check that out. Uh, it'll be released in the last week of September. Yeah. Any final, final thoughts? No. That works for me. All right. So check us out at stadiumscene.tv, at Stadium Scene on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok, at Stadium underscore scene on Instagram. And we'll see you next time.